0: You're listening to The Local Maximum, episode 85. Time to expand your perspective. Welcome to The Local Maximum. Now, here's your host, Max Clark. Hello, hello. You have reached another Local Maximum. All right, today we are going to get part two of my interview with Anthony Aguirre, And we're going to move away from the nature of the universe to talking about making predictions, specifically Anthony's prediction engine, Metaculous, that's at Metaculous.com. You need to check it out and all the ways of thinking that can make you a better forecaster. So if you haven't listened to the first part of this interview, uh, that's last week's episode, episode 84, that's on the physics. And today we are going to talk about... Uh, predictions. Now, uh, so metaculus.com. that's m e a uh, m e t a. that's meta uh, M-E-T-A C-U-L-U-S but th- all of this will be on the show notes page for today. That's localmaxradio.com slash uh, 85. You know, I first connected with Anthony at a Tech 2025 event hosted by Charlie Oliver here in New York back in June in an event called Predicting the Future of Technological Innovation Using Prediction platforms. Uh, I'm going to link to that event page at tech2025.com on, on today's show notes. As listeners know, uh, I've gotten a few podcast episodes out of that event series, and Charlie has been uh, a guest here in the Local Maximum on episode 40. Uh, Aaron and I both subscribe to the Tech 2025 podcast, and sometimes we use it to prepare for this show. So now back to Metaculus, as you'll hear in a bit, This is an effort to optimally aggregate predictions about scientific discoveries, technological breakthroughs, and other interesting issues. If you'll recall, a few weeks ago, we talked about the AI debate between Jack Ma and Elon Musk, the only thing that they, those two men could agree on, they disagreed on anything, but the, they disagreed on everything. But the only thing they could agree on uh, when it comes to prospering in a post-AI world is being able to make good predictions for everyone to be a futurist. So let's have a listen to part two of my conversation with Anthony Aguirre. Okay, uh, so now I want to go back to some more familiar territory of... Making predictions mm-hmm. about the future, which is what most predictions are about, but not always. Um, so, how did you go from like physicists and cosmologists to working on Metaculus?
1: Yeah, that was a, a kind of odd route, actually. It, it led from from physics to a nonprofit that I founded with Max Tegmark called the the future the sorry the Foundational Questions Institute, which is a physics uh, kind of research supporting organization. An offshoot of that was something called the Future of Life Institute, which is a an organization thinking about transformative technology and, and sort of how we can negotiate the next fifty or you know twenty five to one hundred years of major change in AI and genetic engineering and so on. And thinking about that got me thinking: well, how are we going to do that if we don't know what's going to happen, you know, with any real confidence? And if we don't even have insight into what will happen, given that we do X or Y or Z. Like It seemed to me that we really needed a better method of getting good forecasts about where events and where different technologies were going to go beyond just sitting around and thinking a little bit about what are the possibilities. And so it got me thinking about, first of all, how can we make a general purpose kind of prediction capability that, that kind of has to be human powered because humans are the only real general purpose prediction engines that we have. How can we combine them? And how can we also identify and kind of train who are really good predictors? There have got to be people who are just really great at making predictions. Um, can we identify them? And for them and everybody else, can we learn how to be a better predictor um, by, by doing a lot of it? And so I thought about a prediction kind of game or platform and, and started doing research into what had been done in this field. And it turned out, you know, I learned a lot about prediction markets and, and other academic research uh, and government-sponsored programs about uh, crowd forecasting um, and imbibed and all that stuff, and, and it kind of generated this idea for Metaculus to, to focus on science and technology in particular because that was the, our kind of core interest um, and just try to think of how can we make something that will generate the most accurate possible predictions and aggregate predictions from, from wherever they might come from and train and, and, and kind of identify and compete in prediction prowess to kind of hone a whole community of people who are getting better and better at predicting.
0: So I, can anyone uh, contribute predictions to Metaculus?
1: Yes. So, so anyone can just go on, go in, sign up, read the questions, start making predictions on them. Um, A lot of the questions are just binary questions where it'll say like, what's basically, will this happen? And you dial in a probability from one to 99% um, that you think, you know, event X will happen by date Y, or whatever the form of the question is. Um, hmm. Other ones ask you to predict on a date or a number. So, so you can so you can say, like, when is you know Elon Musk going to land himself on Mars, if ever? <laughs> um, and you can dial in. Well, I think it's, it could be going to be between this date and that date. So it could be infinity. Um, so there's yeah. a capability for that. But it you know, it's either going to be you know, say between. 2030 and 2040 or infinity or whatever. So you can dial in a prediction for, for a date or a value or something like that. Um, and anyone can go on and do that. And then as time goes by, things will actually happen. And you get points for the predictions that you made that were good. And you lose points for the ones that were bad um, and so on. And you can so, so, you, so you can see how you're doing and you can build a track record uh, and see what other people are predicting and so on.
0: Cool. So I, I did sign up for Metaculus. so I'm going to make some predictions, and I'm going to put them on the show notes page here to show which predictions that I make when I, when I finally do it, and I'll do it before this show goes out. Um, so here's an interesting question. Now, if, if I'm predicting things that are many years in the future, 10, 20 years in the future, how are you ever going to know how accurate I am because those things haven't happened yet? You, it seems like it would take too much time to get a reading on me.
1: Sure. So, so, so the the hope is to have a real mix of questions, both from the, the pretty short term, like days or weeks, into the very long term. I mean, the longest term question we have is, will the universe end? Um, so that's one that <laughs> you know, like we sort of are, are just not going to resolve. Um, so, so there's an understanding that some questions on there are not going to resolve ever, or in in a lifetime or an interesting amount of time. But there's a hope, of course, that Um, people who are good at making short-term predictions are also going to be at least somewhat good at making longer-term predictions. And and that's a very hard thing to prove. Um, But I think it it at least stands to... It it doesn't mean that people will be able to make good long-term predictions, but I I think it's very likely true that the same sorts of people who make good short-term predictions will will be the more accurate ones at making longer-term predictions. And so if you're, like, even if you don't regardless of how much you believe that the farther future is predictable, insofar as you're going to believe anyone, I think you should probably believe the people who are really good at predicting, you know, in the shorter term, in terms of their track record, um, than those that are terrible at it. Um, right. So I, I feel like there's there's one
0: problem of separating people who are just good at making predictions in general and people who aren't. But I could see... A situation where there if you have a panel of experts, there are certain people who are better on short term, and certain people who are better on long term, once you get the, the group of good people like there, there, there has to be some like comparative advantage there.
1: I think that, that's certainly possible. But I, I agree, it will be hard to uh, we will only get steadily increasing understanding of that correlation or lack of correlation as time goes on. Um, I mean, Metaculous has been running for kind of three or four years, more like three. it um, It'll And so it's, it's accruing a pretty significant track record, but of course, all on questions of less than three year timescale. So, but as right. time goes on, I think we can at least push in those directions. I found some of the hardest tech predictions is
0: when you're trying to do like a uh, a year out um versus 10 years there's there, there are situations where you're like well i'm sure this is going to happen in 10 years but it's like what's going to happen in the next year and unless it's like a, a product launch that's imminent or something like that right. um it's it's hard to it's hard to predict any drastic change over the course of a single year
1: well i think it's it's important to, though to to disentangle predicting from, you know, making a reasonable prediction of like, when we say it's difficult to predict, we have in mind like right. that I, I'm saying what's going to happen. And, yep. and that's, that's never what we can ever, ever do. We can give things right, right, probability. April
0: 4th, 2039, Elon
1: Musk will land, you know, yeah. Right. So, so we don't have a time machine. And even if we did, I think it wouldn't turn out to be useful for that. So yeah. um, that's a longer story, but, but so, so when you say, you know, it's difficult to predict a year out. Um, I think that's because you, you have more of a sense that you ought to be able to get the details a little bit more right than you can 10 years out. But it's probably true that in a well-defined question that you're asking probabilities for, you're probably going to do better in that one-year question than the 10-year question. Uh, it's just you your ambition level is probably significantly higher. Um, and you're right. not satisfied with saying, oh, it's, you know, it's 20% chance or an 80% chance, you, you know, you want better out of it. But uh, I think what's, to me, you know, once you just fully admit that all we ever have are probabilities, um, then the question becomes, how do you get, you know, the best calibrated and most precise probabilities that you can, right? And, and, and once you give up the idea that you're going to predict things with, you know, definitely um, then it becomes a quantitative question. And, and and the quantitative question is one that you can actually work on. Right? You can actually get better calibration. You can get more precise. You can think about better aggregation methods if you've got lots of different predictions and better models and so on. And that's a, a question that you can quantitatively tackle kind of once you let go of that. Everybody knows that, it's, that you, can, you can only predict probabilities, but you still have that idea in mind somehow.
0: It's almost like there are two parts here. There's calibration... And aggregation. So, and calibration is, is interesting. You could do calibration on a single person because I read something a, around this uh, where you're making predictions off expert opinions. And one thing that stuck out with me is that when people say they're 99% sure, then that actual thing only happens 85 to 90% of the time. Right. So, what even before we take into account the wisdom of the crowd, just taking into account like a single person. Uh, does an individual? Ha- ha- what's the approach to like calibrating an individual? Is this something that you know someone can think about in their like day to day thinking about their beliefs?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and it's it's interesting. So one thing, so one thing you can do with metaculus for example, is is make private predictions. So so if you really want to get better at predicting things, for example, in your own life, you can get on make a bunch of questions for yourself. Like, am I going to get this job? Am I going to, uh, am I going to go to the store tomorrow or the next day? Like they can be as mundane as you want um, and make, you know, assign probabilities to them and then just keep checking yourself um, because you can resolve those questions really easily and simply um, and start to accrue a track record and see, wow, I, I put 99% for that and, it didn't happen. That should only happen like one in a hundred times. There's something going on here. Um, so that's something you can do on your own. It's something you can certainly do uh, as a as an aggregate over the whole set of people doing Metaculus and individually. So so what Metaculus actually does at the moment is for each predictor, it actually recalibrates them um, before aggregating them into an aggregate prediction. So so like when I go on. Uh, and I dial in, like, I think that's 40% likely. Um, the system knows that, that if I say it's 40% likely, it's actually more like 30% uh, <laughs> based on my track record okay. of predictions yeah. compared to reality. It knows, you know, it can make that, that uh, translation. After making that, it can add my prediction weighted by kind of how good I am at predicting in general to everybody else's to, to get an overall aggregate prediction. So once you have the statistics, this is something you can see and kind of adjust for yourself. I think it's also something that you just get better at with practice. You know, the feedback certainly helps. But even just going through the day, assigning probabilities to things is an interesting exercise. Um, it makes you sound really impressive, too. Like, you, you, you know, you sound like the uh, the AI on Star Trek or something when you're like, well, I think there's a 78% chance that they have uh, the beyond meat beef at, uh, whole foods today. Uh, you know, it sounds very authoritative. Um, and it's perfectly valid. There probably is a 78% chance. You know, if if you're, if you've been practicing a lot, 78% chance is a perfectly reasonable thing to say. Um, and it, and it's probably as accurate as anyone else is going to get unless they happen to know. Um, and I think it's a useful thing because, uh, it, it just makes you, uh, more precise in your thinking uh, and more quantitative in your thinking about future events than like is just the default and is the default for almost a, uh, almost any person. Right.
0: So our, our intuition about what 90% means maybe is not honed. Um, maybe 90% is more attached to an emotion of something that I think I'm pretty sure is going to happen. Um, but once you actually, it, it probably takes measurement and actually seeing, okay, does it, does the thing really not happen one out of every uh, 10 times? Then like, you know, um, am I really calibrated at n- when I say 90%? Or or not? if I haven't measured that, I'm
1: probably way off. Right. But but what we can get better at is the mapping. So, so I think what we have, what we've been endowed with by evolution is a really amazing prediction engine um, that tells us Probabilities of things happening, but it gives it to us in this pretty vague, like emotional feeling of probability rather than a number. You know, you're, you're, the, you're the natural action of of a human brain is not to supply a number for whether there's a tiger lurking behind that bush, but a feeling. Right. I'm like, how scared am I? How dangerous is it? How nervous am I? And so yeah. on.
0: And that, that's valid data. I mean, it might not be, you know, um, it might not be the traditional data that statisticians want, but that's, I, I it's feel like valid that's and it's valid data. And it's,
1: and it's the best data you're going to, I mean, no system on earth is going to give you a better probability than that feeling for whether yeah. there's a tiger behind the bush, but. And it's also <laughs>
0: calibrated on, on risk reward, right? So like, Hey, if, uh, if there's a tiger behind the bush and I, if I'm wrong, then, um, if I think that there's no tiger, but there is, that's a a much worse outcome than if I think there's a tiger, but there's not.
1: Right. Right. So, so the, so part of the problem is that there's there are various biases that come in to that, you know, in that system, there are all kinds of biases like the one that you just described. I'm right. Um, you know, I'm, it's really a problem if I think there isn't a tiger and there is Um, It's not that big of a problem. If I think that there isn't, you know, that there's a tiger and there's not, I get a little bit nervous and maybe don't go in a nice attractive bush and I could have. So, so there are built in biases and something, but something we can do is try to recognize and undo those biases and make a more unbiased mapping from kind of the subjective feelings that we have about the likelihood of events into sort of more objective, Probabilities insofar as such a thing exists, but but more quantitative probabilities that in aggregate actually match up with the the, rel- the relative frequencies of things happening. So so that's something that we can do and get better at individually and using kind of uh, the power of the crowd and a, and a platform I think like Metaculus or other prediction platforms. Uh,
0: another way to think about it, which I just came to my mind now as you as you said that was like you know. Um, Oftentimes our emotion, it, every time we're coming up with a probability, we're usually coming up with that probability because we want to make a decision on off of that. Mm-hmm. And the emotion is there to drive the decision. So it's like both probability and decision-making in one and what we're trying to do here with these prediction engines is pull out the probability uh, ingredient of that,
1: you know, without the bias of decision-making. Yeah, that's right. Because I, I think you're, you put your your finger on it that the, we're thinking in terms of the decision and the outcomes, and some of those outcomes might be highly, highly undesirable, um, and that feeds back on our probability estimates. Whereas, um, and that's exactly what we want when we're making a decision in real life. But it's it's not what we want if we're actually trying to just assess the the probabilities of those events in a kind of dispassionate way.
0: Okay, um, so let's get into like some specifics here. What type of uh, what are some like popular topics that Metaculus contributors weigh in on?
1: Yeah, there are a few uh, so so by sort of design and and the community that's built up, it, it's a lot of it is focused on science and technology. Um, so so there are a lot of questions about you know, AI, Uh, its future and different breakthroughs about, uh, space travel. You know, there's a whole, there are a whole bunch of questions about, you know, what is Elon Musk going to get up to next and and when, and things like that. Um, there are a lot of like pure science questions. How many black holes of this type are we going to, is LIGO going to see? And, you know, how many citations will this paper get and things like that. So, so kind of real sciencey things. Uh, and then there's there's the unavoidable scatter of kind of political questions about Trump, about Brexit, and things like that. Uh, so that has its own constituency uh, and and various world events. Um, and I'm unpredictable, which has a lot of that, ton of that. So 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 I think what's and and if you really want to know the odds for elections, you know, I think there are probably places that have a lot more liquidity and and maybe more accurate. Um, than Metaxas, but it's, but it's fun. Uh, I think what's, so I think it's, it's forte is kind of, and and it's demonstrated track record is more accurate, I would say in the scientific and technical fields than, than, you know, politics and and so on. Um, But it's got, it's kind of in principle open to anything Uh, just the more popular ones are the, the more sciencey and techy ones.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. What do you, how do you measure something like AI? I imagine one of them is like, are we headed towards uh, a technological singularity or is there going to be like a, a general artificial intelligence? I, I would imagine that like the definition of whether you hit that or not is uh,
1: controversial. There are a couple of questions of that, of that kind of high level, when are we going to have like human level AI? And as soon as you ask that question, you immediately have to ask, well, what do you exactly do you mean? What are you, what are you asking about precisely? Um, so there are a few questions that are, that are of that type and are, you know, we made a real effort to make them uh, well-defined, but, but what's probably more interesting in a sense, I mean, those are kind of what we really want to know, like when is, when is artificial general intelligence going to arise? Um, and feel right, right, like, right. we know what that means, although we probably don't. Um, but it's, but there are lots of things that you can ask more precisely in the meantime, um, things like will, you know, will about games like will before Go happen. There were questions about whether an AI would defeat a, a human Go grandmaster that we had StarCraft questions. So there's a, a whole series of like AI yeah. getting better, defeating professional. So has, that's happened, right? That's how ha- the has StarCraft happened? one has also happened. Um, so, oh, wow. Okay. So the best players now in AI and Star. Well, uh, arguably, I mean, the the, the AI from DeepMind is very good, and uh, I think it's now at the point where, in its long series of games, the best humans can defeat it because they can figure out exploits, um, and have figured out exploits where it's just really dumb, um, but in a sh- and doesn't learn on the fly, but but it's obvious, but it's certainly pro level, you know, defeat almost everybody if, if they're not, like, a professional player. And it would defeat everybody, including the professionals, if it wasn't limited to a certain number of, like, actions per second, you know, if it can use at superhuman speed, uh, it would wipe the floor with anyone. Um, but that's been true for a while, right, because uh, computers can, are obviously faster at certain things. Um, so, so that's happened. So you can ask about these kind of intermediate things where you're thinking about, Various human capabilities, um, where you can then have a well-defined comparison of 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 some machine learning system with a human, preferably quantitative, but not always, and ask when is that going to happen, or is it going to happen by some date? And those are really fun and interesting questions to make precise and then get predictions about. Um, and I've been, I would say, I've been fairly surprised at how uh, the predictions start out kind of far away and have steadily migrated closer. Um, like a question that I just put live was um, when will an AI pass the laugh test specifically when will an AI be able to watch uh, episodes of the Simpsons and accurately predict when people would laugh. Um, oh, interesting. The Simpsons. You could quantify it. Yeah. So you can quantify that. And, and it's uh, assume those tests are being <clears throat> run though. You know, you
0: have to actually run that. You actually have to, you know, um, get a panel of people and see when they laugh.
1: Yeah. So so this, this I still think, would be a, a really easy data set to assemble by paying people peanuts on Mechanical Turk to watch The Simpsons. Yeah. Uh, like, what better job is there for a Mechanical Turker, right? <laughs> I'm like, I'll do it. <laughs> a dollar? Sure. <laughs> um, so that's just an example. You can, and, and that, that, you know, test may or may not happen. The data set may or may not be assembled, but you can still make predictions about it, assuming that it will be, Um, and and then more well-defined ones like annual Turing tests, and there's a Winograd schema challenge. There are sort of these annual things that often happen and and, uh, you can make predictions about, uh, and kind of standard metrics of of AI progress that you can make predictions about. So so anywhere where you can find a, a sort of quantitative measure of something interesting, that will be done over and over again using the same methodology, that's kind of a fun target for, for metaculus because then you have a well-defined question. You can at some level see a historical trend and kind of try to make extrapolations and think, Oh, is it going to be faster than this, the trend or slower than the trend and so on? Um, so, so, yeah. and there are lots of those questions if you, if you start to dig. All right, cool. Um, I host
0: a tech retreat every year, and we kind of do a predictions brainstorm. Um, And I think actually next year, uh, I should bring in some of the Metaculous questions. So we are usually not very specific. We don't, you know, hold it to specific account and rules. It's more of like a creative exercise. And the last batch, if people are interested, go local maximum episode 38. Um, But uh, one of the most fun things that we do is go back and we see like where we were dead wrong. And that is, that's the most interesting part to me. That's where I learned the most. Uh, have you seen incorrect predictions on Metaculus that kind of made you think and sort of made people say, oh, we've got to recalibrate or something's, uh, you know, something's wrong with my
1: beliefs here? Uh, yes and no, I would say. So there certainly are some, some very wrong predictions. And there aren't that many of them, but you can you can go on Metaculus and see the whole track record of the of the system as a whole, um, and how well it did on every particular question. So there, you can look at the ones where where it did really badly. They and there, it's a hodgepodge. There are some, I think there were some particularly bad predictions about cryptocurrencies. Uh, we had a little cryptocurrency competition. Um, so cryptocurrency is hard cryptocurrency is hard uh too optimistic or too pessimistic uh, not so much optimism or pessimism but just getting the details so so more high variance you know more unexpected yeah. things happened than i think people were anticipating like and that generally happens that you you think you've narrowed things down to like a couple of possibilities but then a new something comes out of left field and and makes a question go differently than you thought for some reason that just wasn't on radar at all that that i think is what often happens um, there happens, are a couple of scales yeah. with Game of Thrones. We had just a few Game of Thrones questions, and I think got all of them wrong. Um, so that's another system that's kind of inherently tries to be unpredictable, right? Um, so, so I think that's a system where, right, there, like a financial system or a, is something that is somewhat inherently unpredictable in that if it's predictable, then people can exploit that predictability and make money. And so you kind of suck the predictability out of the system by itself. And and that's what makes financial systems very hard to predict. Um, Game of Thrones is kind of deliberately hard to predict. There are other systems that are just chaotic and and kind of a mess, like everything to do with Trump um, is very hard to predict because it just, who knows why it's happening. It's like causality is broken. Um, Yeah, but but I don't (laughs) know if there was,
0: like – I do remember that week, though, when, like, the New York Times and I think it was the Huffington Post came out, like, the week before the election when they were, like, 98% chance Hillary's going to win. And I remember reading that and thinking Hillary Clinton's probably going to win, but 98% or even 90%, you really shouldn't do that. Like, you know, I I just – I saw it and I was like, that's – what are they doing? Yeah,
1: that was a a very, I think, useful – lesson in calibration, right? That um, I mean it was it was by any account unlikely, but it's very different to say that it's ninety-nine point nine percent unlikely than to say it's yeah seventy-five or eighty percent unlikely, because those things happen all the time. They you know they just do. So that was one where, you know, right. Metaculous got it wrong, but it probably it was like at 15% or something uh, when the election happened. Um Right. but then there have been other ones like will people go to jail or go on trial and all that uh that weird you know things happen unexpectedly that there have been a few wrong about that as well it's it's been a hard to predict
0: right so those are micro events. <laughs> yeah those are not macro trends those are much smaller
1: where a single person can almost derail the whole thing that's right and sometimes you get things sometimes the things go wrong by a date like people were really confident that it would happen and that it doesn't, but it happens two days after the nominal, you know, the, the date that the question is about. And it's like, Oh, right. Uh, so, so close. <laughs> uh, but those, you <laughs> yeah, know, yeah, yeah. we still, we still count those. Um, so, th- yeah, I think the, I would not say that I think those questions have made me think more about, you know, what kinds of systems are like extra inherently hard to predict. Um, right. And give you the illusion that you can predict them because that's part of it. Is you know, if people, if you ask Metaculus, "I'm going to flip a coin. What am I going to get?" You know, you get the fifty fifty prediction, and that's the right prediction. You, you know, it's it's obviously a hard thing to predict, but people know that it's hard to predict. Uh, the right. more interesting ones are ones that are inherently hard to predict, but somehow you have this illusion that you can. That's where you really get fouled up.
0: Hmm. hmm. Yeah. Um, I I wonder if Game of Thrones there. Like that's interesting because it's kind of between like a financial system where it's totally adversarial versus you know there are rules of good storytelling like there are rules of storytelling that you have to follow so um, even even in a story that tries to be unpredictable um, yeah. so. Uh, that, that's yeah, probably I, I, opening a sure. can of
1: worms to talk about the last season of Game of Thrones. right?
0: Uh, yeah, no, <laughs> we don't have to get into that here. But uh, yeah, I'd be interested in t- t- diving into those predictions and seeing how well they go and seeing whether, do you, do you have like a, a message board that people post to, like to people write, oh, I saw this happened in an earlier season and that must be foreshadowing and I don't think they're going to drop that.
1: Yeah, and, yeah. so so certainly every question has a, a discussion section underneath it where people provide information. And I think I, one one thing I'd like to understand better is how to better encourage people to provide that information. Other than it being fun, um, you know, it's not really... Insofar as there's kind of a competitive aspect, um, right. it, it's in nobody's interest to really share that juicy bit of information that they have. So we're, we're, we're experimenting with, like, what are the right incentives? Like, are they teams? Are they... You know, what is it that will that will help encourage people to, to provide more of that information, even if it's not in their kind of competitive best interest. Lots of people aren't co- competitive. They're just there for fun. Um, yeah, but the people and, are really into not, it. You know. Yeah. They're not earning big
0: bucks for the right answers either. So it's not like, no, that's right. Right. Yeah. So, um, all right. Uh, so, I don't know if there's anything relevant here, but we did an episode earlier on estimating the probability of an event that has never occurred, or at least when there are like very little, you know, analogies to that event in the past. I think in the case of Metaculus, that's most of the things on your system. So yeah. um, do you know what strategies people have to think about estimating these probabilities of something that's unprecedented? Like I, thinking about the conversation, I think a good example would be, like winning at go maybe is not unprecedented because you could look at all the other games in the past and sort of how those are developed. But I still feel like a lot of these things are, man, there has to be like some big change in society or in our understanding of, of science or something like that.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting question. I think there obviously are some where you can come up with, with some, you know, so-called base rate, uh, by comparing, some group, but it's, uh, often that's hard to do. And and what we as humans, I think sort of automatically do is we create a, a reference class of things that feel kind of similar, right? Uh, uh, Where we, we think by analogy, that's largely what we do is think by analogy. Yeah. Uh, and in this case, we have to think sort of abstractly, here's a thing. I've read this question and now I'm going to pattern match this to to a bunch of other things that have a sort of similar feeling to them, and that's a very abstract thing. But we do it, and we do it actually pretty well. So so that whole hidden machinery is what's generating that feeling of probability or improbability. You know, we can read a question on Metaculus, and and it immediately pops into your mind like, yeah, that's almost certainly going to happen, or no, that's almost certainly not gonna happen, or, ah, uh, that's pretty confusing, I have to think about that some more. Like well, You'll get one of those three reactions. So in one of those first two, like you almost certainly have not actually read a question like that before exactly. You don't really have a specific set of things you're comparing it to, but abstractly and, and kind of subconsciously, you are, I think, comparing it to, to some corpus of things, you're pattern matching it to. Um, and then you might try to take it apart a little bit and think logically about well what are the things that have to happen in order for that to happen and how probable do those seem and so on but I think uh, at some level we're using kind of that that system one in the in that in sort of system one system two architecture that automatic architecture that's so powerful in humans at, at predicting things um, yeah and we're training it so so once you're I think what's what's useful about using Metaculus for a long time is that you're you're not just now able to compare to like a whole bunch of kind of random events in life and and think of which ones have the same feeling of likeliness to them, um, but you can actually compare to a bunch of previous Metaculus questions that might be about totally different subjects but have similar feelings of likeliness to them, with the feedback of how how likely those actually turned out to be, you know, statistically. Um, And, and so that adds kind of a, a nuance to it. It's still all kind of subconscious at some level, rather than, rather than like conscious and working things out on paper. But I think people do get better at that. So uh, along those lines, then, do you think are are the best
0: predictors on a certain topic, are they usually people who are experts in the field, like whether it's an expert in AI or machine learning or an expert in, in space exploration and, and, and engineering in that area? Or are they kind of people from the outside who are maybe more news junkies in that area, but don't have the, like, ha- have less of a insider's perspective?
1: Yeah, I think it varies a lot depending on what kind of question it is. So, so some questions, obviously, you can't really touch that well unless you know the subject matter, at least somewhat. Um, and so those, those are tend to be dominated by people who like can pay the entry fee of, of knowing, you know, what the question is even asking um, and maybe delve into the literature and so on. Then there's a, there's a subset of questions, which are really, you can do pretty well by like doing an extrapolation or thinking about it as a as a random process and how often will something like that happen. And so you can do like a little statistical models um, and you don't, it almost doesn't matter what the question is about. If you can map it to some reasonable statistical model for it and, and crank some numbers, you can do pretty well on those questions. Um, and then there are things in between that, that are exploiting kind of this, uh, this, semi-conscious machinery that I that that we were talking about um, where a lot yeah. of it is is kind of just inherent skill and and kind of practice at translating uh, a sense of a question into a probability um, and and there again it doesn't you don't have to be a subject matter in order to to do that effectively and I would so uh, I think it can be a mix I think it's uh, I think it's something to keep in mind, certainly when you're getting predictions from a set of experts about something that the fact that they are expert in something doesn't mean that they're good at predicting in general. And hmm. so that doesn't mean that they're yeah. necessarily good at predicting that thing. Um, yeah, and yeah. you, you may do well. So, so so you might do just as well with a set of non-experts who could at least understand the question enough, but preferably you, you'd want to focus in on people who have the subject matter expertise and the predictive skill and training and, and calibration and, and practice and so on. Um, so, so part of what I hope to do is, is create that intersecting Venn diagram for enough things so that, so that we can get the best of both worlds. Yeah. Okay. Um, so what is the most surprising prediction that
0: Metaculus has made for like, the next few decades?
1: So one that I noticed that was kind of fun was uh, the prediction that by 2031, half of all new cars sold in the U.S. will be fully autonomous. Um, So that seemed. That's a good one. Pretty optimistic, but but not totally implausible. It'll be interesting to see how that one develops. Um, Yep. So I flagged that one. Another kind of kind of fun one that if I really took this seriously, I might it might be a little bit life changing. Um, so that we have a question of what is the probability that if you die and get cryonically frozen today, that you will like wake up again as a living being, um, and that is running currently between five and 15%, um, um, depending That's higher on than you, I would have thought higher than I would have thought. I mean, it's a particular audience we have on Metaculous Granted. Um, yeah. but you know, if I, if I really believe that there was say a 10% chance of that, I'd be thinking pretty hard about getting frozen, right? So, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so there are things like out of left field questions that uh, you know, ten percent is a low probability, but but it's really high in that context, right? Because ten percent could be is really significant. I would say. Um, similarly, on the flip side of, of chances of life, uh, there is currently running a ten to eleven percent chance of World War III before twenty fifty. Um, so. That's something to to consider. How pretty many carefully. countries?
0: How many countries have to be involved before
1: uh, there, there it's was actually a, a world Yeah, war. there was a lot of debate about exactly what World War III looked like, but I think we settled on a definition that would kind of look probably like a essentially a war between multiple major powers. So I think we're we're sort right. of talking about nuclear confrontation and, and all the rest of it. But I think there is some probability I assume, that's, that's conflict that doesn't go totally yeah. apocalyptic.
0: Right. It doesn't have to be nuclear for it to
1: be world. Right. Right. So, and what was the percentage on that? 10 to 11% by in the next 30 years or so. So it's kind of sobering. Okay.
0: Okay. Prepare now people. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how, I don't know how you prepare, but uh, okay. Um, so, I'm going to put your website, Metaculus and some selected appearances on the show notes page. Um, Before we wrap up, do you have any last thoughts on this? And where can people go to find out more about Metaculus and uh, prediction engines?
1: Um, Yeah, I would say just, uh, I'd recommend just kind of delving in and don't there's a barrier I think when you first confront a question that you have to make a prediction about um, there's a barrier to like dialing in a number. It feels like it's too precise. It feels like, you know, you might be wrong. You don't know what you're doing, but I would really encourage people, whether it's on Metaculous or somewhere else, just to, to go ahead and do it. You know, once you get over that barrier, it's easy and fun and and really instructive uh, and really makes you a more sort of honest person, I think in in a way like, you really get in touch with your own like capabilities and liabilities in making predictions. So, so I would just, you know, wherever it is, go to metaculous.com or go to predicted or, or good judgment open or whatever, but just dive in because it's fun and interesting. And I think it, it really is beneficial for you and for everybody else.
0: All right. I look forward to it. Anthony Aguirre, thank you so much for being on the show today. I know we uh, took a lot more time than uh, we thought, but, uh, Thank you so much for 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 joining me.
1: Yeah, it was a, it was a real pleasure. Always always fun to talk about these things, and uh, if it went on long, it was because it was fun, and I hope hope that it is for some of the listeners too.
0: All right, yeah, that that was awesome. I am, you know, the tiger discussion. I was reminded of the tiger discussion uh, earlier when I was down in the uh, in the courtyard in my building, and it was kind of dusk. And it was – I looked to my side, and I could have sworn I saw a a figure, a shadowy figure of a person there. And I was like – I shivered a little bit. And it turned out to just be like – I think it was a – whatever. I looked around. I looked there, and and he was gone. And I think it was just the the gazebo post and some leaves. But, man, that was creepy. Um, Okay. I I think – I have a few uh, predictions of my own that I have already put into Metaculus, and so I wanted to share those a little bit. Uh, the first question was, which we've discussed on the show actually, is, will Facebook's Libras initiative launch by October 1st, 2020? And I gave that, I, I, Miriam and I were very skeptical of that on the show, I gave that a 15%. I think that's very unlikely uh, that they can get that done. In, well, that's one year from now. No, I don't think it's going to happen. That's just me. So I gave it 15. The next question was Will Brexit happen by the end of day, October 21st? Will the UK leave the European Union? I, oof, I'm already having second thoughts about what I put because I did this a, a couple weeks ago and I gave it 60%. Uh, <laughs> now I don't know if it's new data or I didn't understand the situation well enough. I would probably lower that a little bit, but I'm going to stick with my 60% because that's what I said initially. And I guess I'm going to live with it. Um, but, uh, I think that's probably closer to one of the ones that Anthony mentioned where it's like, it could happen, but it could happen maybe after that date. Um, Another one that I thought was interesting, when will any country have a life expectancy at birth for both male and female? And since male is usually lower, they're probably talking about male, uh, of at least 100 years old. I mean, if, if they're both over 100, it's probably the male that just makes 100 and female, it's a little bit more. But so that's a tough one. Um, and so actually, we haven't really discussed uh, longevity uh, technologies here in the local maximum. Maybe we should. Um, so I gave that, I put that as a, as a few decades out, um, but that's, you know, uh, the big question there is, you know, a lot of the gains in longevity in recent years, and there have been some gains, there's been some losses as well, but the gains, um, have been more, uh, the losses in like unhealthy lifestyle, opioid crisis, all that, but, the, but the gains have been made in reducing, you know, mortality for like uh, child mortality or, um, death from, from diseases, curing diseases, and that sort of thing. So, um, prolonging old age would have to be a something new, uh, and and kind of a big part of that. Which is, there are some technologies that do that, but that, that's a really interesting one. Uh, so that gives me an idea of something to cover. So everyone, get it on Metaculous. Go to Metaculus. Is it dot com? It's metaculous.com. Go on there and uh, make some predictions and tell me what you predict will happen. I'm just thinking of so many use cases for Metaculous uh, or or a system like this, you know, whether it's corporate intelligence or, or, you know, group decision making or that sort of thing. So definitely check it out. All right. Next week, uh, what's happening next week? Next week, I hope to have Aaron back on the show and we're going to do another news update. Maybe another concept, kind of our bread and butter here on The Local Maximum, followed by a discussion in the following week about deep learning in action. I have a really great guest on that who's written a book on it. All right. Have a great week, everyone. That's the show. Remember to check out the website at localmaxradio.com. If you want to contact me, the host, or ask a question that I can answer on the show, Send an email to localmaxradio at gmail.com. This show is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and more. If you want to keep up, remember to subscribe to the Local Maximum on one of these platforms and to follow my Twitter account at MaxSklar. Have a great week.